We're looking now again at verses 11 to 14, in particular, 13 and 14. I think we'll probably spend maybe two sessions on verse 13, because there's several things we need to see here that are just remarkable. So, Father, as we as we look at this text, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, would you help us to, to see why Paul is so bent on saying not here, like this not here? What is he eager to negate in our lives? Help us to see this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's the first thing I want us to make sure we don't miss Last time we stressed that because of this right here, because Christ Jesus has made me his own, no ifs, ands, or buts. Christ Jesus has made Paul his own, and Paul knows it. Whatever Paul must do in order to attain the resurrection from the dead, he has already been attained, made Christ's own, laid hold of decisively. So he wants us to have assurance. But what stands out in this text is these two knots. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. It's the same verb as this and this. So, even though Paul stresses here the wonderful, precious, deep, Christ-exalting ground of his assurance that he has been made Christ's, laid hold on, decisively seized and grasped by Christ, he seems to be more bent, more concerned that this assurance not produce a kind of life that is a coasting life, a life without urgency, a life as though nothing really hangs on our pursuit. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I pursue. I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, I I forget what lies behind. I strain forward. I press on. And, And this life of pursuing and forgetting and straining forward and pressing on. That's what, that's what I missed in so many Christians when I was growing up. I saw it in people close to me, but I saw hundreds of Christians who didn't have this flavor about their life at all. They didn't look like they were pursuing anything as though something really hung on it except things in this world. They didn't look like they were striving to forget all the stuff in the past that would get in their way. They didn't look like they were straining forward to the what lies ahead, this wonderful upward call of God. They didn't look like they were pressing on. And that's Paul's burden. That's his burden here. His burden is not to give us assurance. He does give us assurance. But if we think that's our main problem, 
in this text, that's not the main problem. The main problem in this text is a failure to pursue, a failure to forget, a failure to strain forward, a failure to press on. That's the main thing to see here. That's this recurrent double knot. Now, what in particular are we supposed to forget? One thing I do... It's funny, he says, one thing, one thing, and then he says two things, <laughs> right? One thing, I forget and I strain. Don't you think what he means, this I do here is added, it's not really in the original, it's just one thing, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, I press on. I would, I would paraphrase this, I have one great unified reason for living. <laughs> One great unifying goal, namely undistracted pursuit of the fullness of Christ in the upward call of God. And I already argued last time that this aim at somehow I might attain the resurrection is not intended to be a treasure beyond what we saw back here in 3, 7, and 9, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and the desire to gain Christ. Rather, this resurrection here and this high upward call here are the final decisive full experience of gaining Christ, gaining Christ and becoming like Christ in in a new body and in a new uh, perfected soul. There will come a day of perfection. So, one thing means I devote my life to attaining the fullest possible experience of Christ imaginable forever. <laughs> yes, to know Christ, to gain Christ. And to do that, he forgets any strains. What are the things that lie behind, and the things that lie ahead. And I, I ask this because I think that we've never left behind Paul's burden in verses 3 through 6 of, of this chapter, where he itemizes the things he might have boasted in. I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, but those who are the true circumcision do not have confidence in the flesh. They glory in Christ Jesus, seek to grain Christ, seek to know Christ. They don't put any confidence in the flesh. And then he itemizes what that would be. Namely, born on the eighth day of the people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as the Pharisee, uh, as to the law, Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor to the church, as to righteousness, blameless. That's the stuff he forgets. Any, you know, when he calls it, what does he call it in, uh, in 7-9? He calls it, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, which is a delicate way of saying excrement. You don't keep excrement, <laughs> right? You don't, you don't, um, Gather up your excrement and put it in the closet. You forget it. You get rid of it. Right? Forgetting all the stuff I used to waste my life on. 
I am not going to let it plague me down. I'm not going to let it drag me down. I'm not going to let it deceive me into pursuing it again. I am done with those works of the flesh that once were my pride and joy. I am finished with that. And now I am pressing forward to what lies ahead. And he's already said, in this life, that's to know Christ, know his power, know his suffering, become like him, and then in the end, be raised from the dead, which I think is probably the same as this upward call of God here. So, the main thing to see in what we've focused on in this session is that there are these two massive I don't want you to think that I believe I have arrived. I haven't arrived. I'm on the road. I'm running the race. I'm fighting the fight. I'm keeping the faith. I'm, I'm pursuing and I'm straining forward and I'm pressing on and you should too. He's going to say that in just a moment when he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Now, I'm going to spend one more session on verse 13 because there are texts elsewhere in the New Testament that says there's some value in remembering what lies behind. Is there, I mean, isn't there some value in remembering where we've come from? How does that fit together with what he says here? 